and welcome to season four of Crave Arts Presents the Future of Film, featuring intimate interviews with the best emerging filmmakers from around the world. My name is Tom Oliva, and I am co-founder and executive director of the All-American High School Film Festival and Crave Arts, dedicated to discovering, showcasing, and uniting the next generation of visual storytellers and content creators. In October of 2022, we celebrated our 10th annual festival. Ten years in and our community is thriving, a testament to the power of believing in the arts and the emerging artists that share their stories with us. The collective spirit of our organization, our community, and all of our year-round initiatives is rooted in a shared passion, a passion to breathe life into stories, to collaborate with others who share your vision, and to create content at the highest level. Content with the ability to move viewers emotionally, to inspire with unprecedented style and craft, and to impact real change. Some quick updates from the All-American Bulletin Board as we gear up for our 11th annual festival in New York City. Our 2023, let's try that again. Our 2023 festival will take place this October 20th to 22nd in New York City. And submissions are currently open via Film Freeway with the final deadline on July 3rd. Head over to hsfilmfest.com to get the latest news and updates about the 2023 festival, including our 2022 highlight reel, downloadable 2023 budget guides, planning guides, and posters, because it's never too early to begin planning your All-American adventure. A friendly reminder that we're offering a new custom category this year, your chance to make an original music video for one of four songs by AWOL Records artist MXM Tune. More information at hsfilmfest.com slash custom dash categories. And if you plan on attending the festival in New York City, we highly recommend competing in our film invitational competitions. The world's premier on-site student filmmaking competitions in New York City from October 18th to 20th. We offer a variety of authentic real-world production experiences for student filmmakers and video production programs. Your chance to crew up and produce a short film in just 10 weeks, making that film in New York City in just a few days. Registration for the Film Invitational opens in May. And teachers, if you're looking for a great way to boost your curriculum and elevate and inspire your students, check out our video production resource community and roadshow. Two terrific in-person or remote opportunities featuring lesson plans and interactive presentations based on our library of exemplary student films. More information can be found at hsfilmfest.com under our education tab. I found it quite difficult to figure out where to begin when introducing today's guest, Eli Berliner, alumni from 2019 to 2021 and multiple award nominee and winner for his impressively diverse catalog of submissions. Where would I begin to explain and celebrate a young artist so attuned with the emotional cosmos lingering in every moment and so adept at elevating every project through profound, mature technique? It seemed that every time we opened a new submission from Eli, he was trying something new, fearlessly experimenting and expanding his repertoire while testing his enviable skills as a visual storyteller. 
The sheer volume of his creativity would have been enough to warrant an invitation to this show. An exploration of his inspirations, motivations, and undeniable grasp of the medium, a surefire gift to other emerging filmmakers as he navigated documentaries, experimental, and dramatic productions with equal parts curiosity, bravery, and finesse. To appreciate Eli's gifts, you need to see all of his work. To grasp his collective creative spirit and how nimbly he finds the pulse of such divergent and eclectic pursuits. If you first stumbled upon his experimental films, you would find painstakingly patient ruminations, reflecting the otherworldly, intoxicating nature of little things most people ignore, let alone capture in glorious ethereal beauty. In Eli's hands, these moving, breathing tableaus feel delicately cradled and cared for, as if he has an appreciation for every little world within our world that most of us reserve for only our most cherished milestones. His experimental film, Swimming in Light, illuminates the alien underwater world of three separate aquariums. Eli identifies the pulse of this graceful realm, building atmosphere through a mesmerizing cacophony of creatures, light, and movement. The shimmering spectacle elevated by a marriage of imagery, score, and editing. Another experimental, Cross Currents, applies the same passionate process, somehow bringing to life the inanimate imagery of electronic circuit boards. We hover above these miniature cities like a drone, aware that these worlds live inside the machines that are essential in our everyday lives, the mechanisms that fuel the very machines we are using to watch Eli's provocative display unfold. And this fascinating dance of the innate micro-macro nature of our world continues in Eli's award-winning documentary, Think Like a Filmmaker, where he examines the artistic process of his father. Watching it, you can feel how his experimental work informs his approach to delightful effect. We live in this creative world intimately, sharing time and space with the intricate imagery, crisp mechanical sounds, and passionate personality of the subject. It would be easy to brush off any of this work as effortless, but that's just Eli's magic, his ability to make the obscure familiar and welcoming. This gift is equally evident in his latest film, The Audition, a narrative that explores the nature of family dynamics, artistic pressure, and individuality, as if it's a fictional interpretation or evolution of the experimental and doc films that preceded it. In the film, the protagonist is suffocating under the relentless pressure of his musical training until he discovers that through painting, he can unleash his true potential as a pianist. It's no surprise that synesthesia plays a prominent role in the young artist's growth and his enlightenment. Watching Eli's work, it's evident that he too has the rare gift of understanding how to harness all of the senses as he immerses his audience in artistic visions worthy of our investment. I am incredibly honored and excited to be joined by Eli Berliner today. Hey, Eli, how are you? Welcome. Thank you so much. Oh my God, I'm like in awe. Thank you, like, yeah. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for that introduction. And thank you for the festival, because like the festival every year inspires me so much. Like I have a visceral feeling every time I leave All-American, where like I have to go and, and do something. And it really has been such, so important to me. 
That's amazing. Well, I, it's a shame that you've aged out and that we might not be able to provide that spark. But of course, you are welcome to join us anytime as a, a cherished alumni with so much talent. I mean, when I said that when we open your submissions, it's like we never knew what we were going to get. And it was such a wonderful surprise every time. So super excited to speak with you today. We're going to get things going right away with something we call personal portrait. In this quick reply exercise, I'm going to say a word or ask a question. And you just reply with the first thing that comes to mind. Ready? Cool. Let's do it. All right. So as a native New Yorker, I'm a little jealous of that. I can only imagine your experiences growing up. I have to ask, what's one of your favorite places in New York City? Okay. I take the subway 40 minutes. I take the subway 40 minutes to school every day and back. And it's such like a meditative thing for me. I like plug in AirPods and listen to music. And it's just like, I come up with film ideas on the subway. I'm also filming the subway. I'm making like another experimental film about the subway and similar to like cross currents and swimming in light. But I just love the, like the way it functions. It's a great answer. And, you know, I think anyone who comes to New York is, uh, I like that the ding happened, right? As you said, the subway, by the way, it's like you yeah. plan this stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think anyone that comes to New York is is a bit intoxicated by the atmosphere of the subway, good or bad. Yeah. Um, do you, do you get excited like I do when a, a train pulls up that you're getting on and it's one of like the newer trains as opposed oh, yeah. to one of the they're grungier like, trains? A whole like new thing of trains now. I'm excited. I when I go back, I'm gonna see them, but they're like a whole new. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. But I also uh, miss the old ones because you could film out the window, and you, know, you can't do that anymore. Well, you better get on some of those old ones to work on this experimental then. Um, another New York City question. What's your favorite thing to eat in New York City? What's my favorite thing to eat? Oh, okay, that's a good one. I'm going to go with classic bagels. I really, right now, I'm like missing a really good New York City bagel. And I'm like craving it all the time. But, what, do you, do you, what do you put on the bagel? Are you like a cream cheese guy, butter? Do you go you like fancy? Lox and cream cheese. That goes really hard. Like a poppy seed bagel or sesame with lox and cream cheese. There's like this bagel place right next to my school and I would go there like way too much, but it was. I, you know, you're, um, you're making me really hungry because I didn't have a chance to have a proper lunch before our conversation. Um, I, I, I like a, like an everything bagel with like a thin layer of cream cheese, yeah. tomato and red onion. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, perfect. Yeah. It has to okay. be, thin. It can't be too thick. If it's too thick, it like. Yeah. Like you want to taste the bagel, you know, some people like have like, uh, like two inches of cream cheese. I never understood that, but Hey, to each his own. Um, so another question about food. Um, this one's very serious. Do you fold your pizza when you eat it? No. I find it a little weird to do that. You got to like eat it like a piece of pizza. I don't know. I guess I think the New York thing to do, but I, I like to. So we're learning. We're learning about New York things to do. Okay. Uh, what is your most used phone app? And most used phone app. Wow, these are really good questions. Um, either my camera, I use that like all the time. Like I love just like scrolling, scrolling through my camera roll. It's a crazy place, but I love it. Music. Um, but yeah, probably my camera. Like I go there all the time. I like to just film everything. Like all my friends, they're like, they always see me like just like filming everything around me. Perfect. Hey, better than social media. Much That's more authentic. Um, okay. What is the weirdest thing you have in the room with you right now? And I'm getting a, I love that our show's visual now because we're getting a nice like visual of your room. Um, what's the weirdest thing you have in there that you can share on a, you know. The weirdest thing I have in here. I'm looking around. This is my college dorm room. Um, uh, I have some, I have an eye chart right behind me. I see that. Cool thing. 
I have my roommate's like South Carolinan, um, very sweet soda everywhere. There's like cans of it everywhere. Really good. What, what is wine? All right, yeah. all right. Found okay. like guitars in the back. I know, man. We have to jam uh, sometime. Yeah, I have my yeah. my stuff's in the back. Yeah, too. I love. Yeah, that's such a cool setup. Yeah, very there. cool. Um, okay. Uh, choose one famous person from history that you would want on your team during a zombie apocalypse. Ooh. Wow. Um, a famous person from history. I'm going to go with... This is the first person that happened to mind, Nicolas Cage. I feel like he's seen <laughs> a lot of zombie apocalypse movies, and I feel like he'd like, know what to do, and it'd be good. It's a great answer. Um, okay. Uh, on a more serious note, for real yeah. this time, film school. Film school. I'm not in film school. Um, and we can talk about that later. But I think it's good for some people. Um, for me, it wasn't the right path. Great. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I, that's, that's a great answer to, you know, wet our palate for where we're going to go with that conversation. The most important thing a film can do is? Make the audience feel something. Couldn't agree more. And you already gave a really nice shout out, but I usually end with, all-American High School Film Festival. I'll go with inspiring. Awesome. I appreciate that. So let's dive a bit deeper into all things Eli Berliner, the artist, the filmmaker, the young man. It's so wonderful to reconnect with you today. Yeah. Where are you currently and what yeah. are you up to as it relates to making art? Yeah. So I am currently in my college dorm room. Um, I am at Yale. Um, and I am tentatively a film and media studies and humanities double major, but that can change. I am working on a lot of films, but I think there's a really nice community of filmmakers here that I'm sort of working with to reinvigorate the film scene here, which is, which is a very in interesting film scene and a really great, strong community. I am working on like, what is it, three or four short films right now. I've been on, last weekend I was on two film sets, so I'm going to be on a film set next weekend. Um, I'm just trying to create more stuff. It's <laughs> muscle memory. You got to just keep doing it. Um, I'm also just like living life, you know, college experience, you know, going to classes. I'm taking some really cool classes right now. And I took some really cool ones last semester. So, yeah. And you're, so you're a freshman at Yale. Yeah. Uh, in, in the second half of the, your first okay. year. Um, so getting, getting acclimated with like, apparently a South Carolina and Carolinian roommate. My roommate, James. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, that can be dicey. So it sounds like you've got yeah. a good fit and, and that's great. Yeah. Why Yale University? Yeah. So I was debating between Yale and film school and it took me to the last second to decide. Like it was literally, um, I chose Yale because I felt like when I was looking at like some of the courses at film school, it felt like to me, at least you're making a film every week and the creativity can start. I've like done a couple of programs like that and the creativity starts to feel forced at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And I felt like going to Yale, I could almost let myself breathe a little bit to study philosophy, to study humanities, to sort of that stuff will help me with my films, but at the same time, be able to make films. Like for example, there's a, Yale has really amazing resources for filmmaking. There's like a grant that you can apply for each semester. It's not, and it's not like amazing, but they have, mm -hmm. there is film here and there's a film community here. And I was sort of surprised at how much film there was. There are films being made all the time. Um, but 
I wanted sort of a mixture of being able to like continue making films, but also taking humanities classes and having, you know, I feel honestly, I'm very happy that I chose Yale because I feel more inspired than I think I ever have in some sense here because I'm surrounded by like insanely talented people. Like it's actually crazy when I think of like the people on Ruby, like some of these people are just like so talented and I'm taking really cool, like I took a class on the history of storytelling last semester. I took a class on like philosophy. I'm taking a class on um, computer music. Like all of this is like super cool and I feel like it's well-rounded. Hearing you talk about it, it it really does. I I feel like I know you through your work um, and obviously getting to know you even more now, which is great. Um, But it it feels like such a good fit for you. And I I sense the the creative burst you're getting from these classes that might not traditionally be thought of as a route towards that. Um, But, you know, as someone myself who loves being a student and I know everyone doesn't, but I I've always loved being in those humanities classes and, and the inspiration I take from them. And it's the weirdest thing sometimes that, that can spark an idea. Um, but just sort of being surrounded by all that classical knowledge and, and the places that it can take you and, and you already are so accomplished as a filmmaker. And I know I'm sure you, you feel like you have a long way to go and I'm sure that's true too. Um, and I also, uh, I think it's great that you're giving such respect to the people around you because I have a feeling they feel the same way about you. And if they're anything like you, wow, what a community and what relationships and networking you must be building. Yeah. So what does it mean to be, you said film and media studies and humanities yeah. uh, double major. What does it mean to be a film and media uh, major? Yeah. So most of the classes are film studies classes, which I think... Are, I like them, and I also have reservations about them at the same time, but they're interesting. I've watched a huge amount of, like, films, especially, like, class, like, we had a, I was an intro to film studies last semester, and we watched, we had, like, a film screening every week, and we would watch, like, 16 millimeter prints of, like, really old movies that was just beautiful. Mm. And it was a really cool class, because I was introduced to a lot of movies I haven't. It's a lot of, like, breaking down scenes, you know, shot, 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 really getting into what makes film. There's also a lot of some like philosophy aspects to it, which is really interesting. Right now I'm taking intro to media studies, which is a whole nother thing, thinking about objects that communicate importance or objects that I had to write an essay the other day about an object that is media and just like write two pages. I wrote about scaffolding in New York City and how that holds meaning to the people of New York City. Um, so it's a little bit more abstract than like a film production program, but I think it's very interesting. And then there's also some film production classes. Um, and I'm going to start taking, I'm going to take one, I think, next year. I'm taking one right now called the Film Director's Craft, which is really fun, where you learn about a filmmaker one week and their techniques. And then you make like a short exercise as if you were that filmmaker. So like implying how they work with actors, which has been a really fun. I'm just getting into that class. But I also like last semester, I took a class called the History of Story, or Classical Storytelling in the Modern World. We read like Aristotle and talked about like three act structure. That was really interesting. So it's very humanities focused, but I I'm doing a lot of the f- like physical filmmaking extra quick. It sounds absolutely amazing. First of all, I love the scaffolding concept yeah. as, as a piece of media to, to analyze. I was just in the city yesterday um, uh, with my, with my family to celebrate my son's birthday. And, and we had a room on like an upper floor of a hotel and, we must have spent like an hour just looking out of this window, 
examining the scaffolding. So it's yes. just crazy that you even mentioned that and, and, and how it goes up. And then like the series of wooden planks that they put down to do yeah. their work and cleaning and restoration or whatever they're doing. And just watching these workers sort of navigate the space and it's everywhere. It's and everywhere. You can't go yeah. like a black, all the city landmarks have scaffolding. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a constant refurbishing process happening in what is now becoming an older city. Um, yeah. Just fascinating. And those those courses sound amazing. Uh, so. Why? I guess is, is there any sort of like takeaway for someone who might be listening um, about. I mean, you kind of already, you're already answering all of my questions, which is amazingly intuitive of you. Usually I ask like, what's a favorite assignment? You check that box. Why was Yale the right fit for you? You check that box. But is there a takeaway for someone who's listening out there who's, who's really torn about ultimately what made this decision for you? Yeah, I think I didn't feel like I needed to rush into filmmaking in the way that I think some other people do. And I don't think you need to either. Like, I don't think you need to go to a place that will just like force you to make films. I think if you have the drive to do it, you can do it on your own while still sort of having a really cool college experience. Um, I think also like, I'm also trying to like get high school filmmakers to come to Yale because there is a really cool community here. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of films going. There are a lot of um, uh, like clubs happening, like the Cinemat, the Yale Student Film Festival. All these are sort of building momentum this year. Um, it sort of also feels like a revolution in some ways here at Yale right now, like an underground, like film community. People are just like creating a whole bunch of stuff. There's like, people are petitioning, like meeting with deans to get like more funding for films to like make it more a part of, of the community at Yale. So there's like, it's sort of like a fun time to be in film at Yale because there's just all this stuff happening. And there's like, you know, a lot of, yeah, it's like a revolution vibe. Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, it's it, it sounds really cool. And I, I wish we had those sort of forces working in high schools around the country as well, right? To, to get more support for this incredibly important and relevant medium. Yeah. And when we say film, we mean so much more than that. And I, I think everyone listening will understand that. We, you know, we mean all kinds of digital production yeah. and media production. Uh, and just the, the, the visuals that are part of our everyday lives now, that stuff has to get made. And it needs to get made the right way. And and, and it needs to get made, you know, to make an impact in, in ways. And I just don't see it enough in the high schools around this country. And some are, some are amazing. And probably anyone who's listening has one of those amazing programs. But, you know, if you don't, like, yeah. keep pushing for it. Because this is incredibly important to young people in, in our age. And it's great to know that you're a part of something special happening there at Yale. And I, I certainly hope you'll, you'll keep me... Uh, updated about yeah. whatever it is that's happening and anything that we can share. I'd, I'd be happy to yeah. do that. But let's, let's take a big step back all the way to the beginning and, and kind of the experiences that got you to this point um, yeah. to, to have the freedom and, and the intellectual curiosity that you're able to express there. When did you first start making movies and why? Around sixth grade. And it's a funny story. So my dad there was an auction at my school in my like middle school and my dad there was okay there were different options so one of them was like go do yoga in the park with ashley or go do different things with different teachers my favorite teacher at the time was rod shout out to rod very important person in my life um but 
one of the options was make a documentary about Robert Moses with Rod. <laughs> and I looked through the catalog and I was like, ooh, I want that one. So my dad didn't know how to work technology. It was supposed to be for like two people. My dad accidentally clicked it a couple more times than he should have. And I got both slots. So I started on this journey of making a documentary about Robert Moses with Rod. And for those who don't know, Robert Moses is like this. He built all like the infrastructure around New York City. So he built all the parks, all the bridges, all the tunnels, the UN, like a lot of these like big buildings. He, but he also like tore through neighborhoods and stuff with his highways and displaced a lot of people. An urban planner. Yeah. Yeah. An urban planner. So I basically, it was supposed to be like a 10 minute film. And for some reason I was just like really into it. So I ended up making this like 20 minute documentary about Robert Moses. Um, and I, yeah, I went to all in the sixth places. grade in sixth grade. I went to all the places he built. I went to Jones beach. I went to all the highways. I drove down them. I, and then I like edited it. I think I spent like two summers, like editing this film. Like it was like a big time commitment, but I had a lot of fun during it. Like I really enjoyed it. And I somehow like the medium of film, like was just like really, it felt like natural to me in some way. And it was like, just like a very natural and fun experience. And I just felt myself like I was those nights, you know, where you look working and then all of a sudden it's like like three hours past. Like it was like that when I was editing and it was just a really great experience for me. And then after that, I started making more and more films and just kept going, sort of. Um, but that was like the first, the first one. Holy Moses was the title of it. And does this exist? Is this on your website? I don't think did I, I don't think I saw it. It might it on be there. at the very bottom. Okay. It's embarrassing because my voice is like 10 times off. <laughs> well, I mean, you were young. Um that that sounds like an ambitious start. Uh and and also not really surprising at all. And, and, and you've, you've gotten into so many different genres and, and really excelled at all of them. I want to talk about that. But first, why? Like, why film? What is it about this art form that caught you? Yeah. Why, why do you keep doing it? First of all, I think this, it's fun. Like, I enjoy it. And I think that is something that's like a starting point because I just really enjoy doing it. It feels natural. I get lost in it. And that's like the first thing. I think also I love when I'm just like in a movie theater and I like start crying or I feel something and I feel any emotion and I feel scared when I, I just love that feeling. And I feel like if I can try to replicate that somehow and make other people feel things through my work, that is something that I aspire to do. And I think I'm, you know, I'm always, I'm, I'm always learning as a filmmaker. But that is something that I think inspires me too. Another thing is I was like listening to an interview the other day, trying to remember, wait, it may have been like an actor who worked with Alfonso Cuaron, who did like Roma. Um, one of my like, favorites, one, yeah. uh, one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, he's so good. But I think he basically said, the actor was like, he can see the world in a certain way and he notices things that everyone else doesn't notice. Or he has like an he just like can see the world in a very interesting way. And that's something I'm trying to do more is to like, try to like, if I see some like a cool light pattern on a building, I'm going to, I'm trying to like notice that and like mark it down in my head. I love traveling. And that's something I've been doing a lot of recently. And I think that stuff 
inspires my filmmaking or like seeing interactions play out on the street or just seeing the way that the world works. Somehow communicating that is really fun and interesting. And I'm trying in my own way to like pick up on things around me that I, that hopefully would be like interesting ideas for it makes it makes perfect sense and you you just wrote a better introduction for your work than i could ever have um that is such a good way to explain sort of how you approach the medium i have to say like it's almost like do you ever think about doing something easier because your stories that you tell uh that i've experienced are like let me take this really difficult thing and communicate it to the viewer um, swimming in light, great example of that. Uh, cross currents, great example of that. You're, you're, you're literally like taking an inanimate object and saying, I'm going to make a story of this. And then you're leaving it to me, the viewer, to process in whatever way makes most sense for me. But you're informing me along the way with the score, with the way that you edit it. Um, does it. Do you think of it that way? Like, I'm going to take something really difficult, like the way the light hits this scaffolding. Uh, and I'm going to make a story out of this, or is it just sort of what comes up? I think it's sort of what comes up. I, <laughs> I mean, I do like to challenge myself in some ways, but I feel like it's sort of what comes up. And then it's also like, I make things way too difficult for myself for no reason. Like, I feel like I could, like, I always am like, okay, I'm going to make an easier film to do this time. And then it always turns out to be just something like really difficult to pull off. Um, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out and sometimes it does. And But, like, I don't know. I just, for those also, I think COVID was a factor, especially in Cross Currents and Think Like a Filmmaker. Um, like, narrowing what I could make films about. I see, I see. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I do make it unnecessarily hard for myself sometimes, but I think it's fun. That's the fun of it. Yeah, of course. Well, let's talk about Swimming in Light for a second. So that film, you... You went to three different aquariums <clears throat> and you shot it only on an iPhone. Was mm-hmm. that just out of necessity or was that a conscious choice to shoot it on an iPhone? That film started, I went to the aquarium with some of my friends and I, we were all like filming things and I started to film it and I got like really into filming it on my phone. And then I like, I remember, I just remember it was like funny, like one of my friends was like, let's go. We need to go to this other room. And I was like, my phone was like on the glass, just like holding it there. I was like, give me, give me like five minutes. I just need to get this shot. And somehow I got like really into that at the aquarium with my friends. And then I like let it, let that footage be for like half a year or something. And then I was like going through, I wanted to like edit something over the break or or for like a school break. And I went, I was going through footage and I was like, Oh, I have this footage. Let me edit it into something. This could be fun. And I edited it in premiere and I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. And some of the footage is like decent. And then I was, and then I sort of resolved to like make it into something somehow. And then whenever I went to a different city, I would go to the aquarium of that city and film it. And I got more into it and I would, you know, but it was all like, you know, on the glass like this. I looked sort of silly doing it, but you know, no aquarium guards caught me or anything. And I basically, all of that was like phone on glass at aquariums and 
that's how that project started. It, it doesn't it doesn't look like it, which is amazing. And it, it, I think obviously it's a testament to you and I guess the the capabilities of the iPhone, which I think you know most people are aware of. It's it's an unbelievable little machine that can do a lot, um, which is great. You know, for for all kinds of people, serious filmmakers included, obviously. Um, can you tell me about the score? Is that an original score? It is a mix of an original score and an electronic score that I got from a really amazing electronic composer called Luke Ferrari, who recently passed away. And I used it as a temp score, but I fell in love with it, as all filmmakers do. I absolutely but, love it. When I hear it, I, it, I, it transcends me to somewhere else. A funny story was that with that. So, you know, I got it. I used it at first, and then I was like, I need to get the rights to this because I can't just put it in. So I emailed his estate and sent them the film with his score. And I was like, I'm a high school filmmaker. Do you think I could get the rights to this? And his wife, he had recently passed away, and his wife looked at it and was and loved it and then wrote back to me and was like, yes, of course. And it was really, that was a really cool moment. See, everyone who's listening, I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's yeah. how you do it. I mean, yeah. you, you have proof of concept. You were serious about your intent. Uh, you were passionate about using that particular piece. You presented yourself as a student filmmaker. I mean, who can say no to that? Yeah. Um, but it was a genuine uh, tribute, you yeah. know, to the work. And, and it obviously, it bolstered the quality of, of your film so much. I mean, just the, the combination in, in, in that short experimental film of imagery, sound, and edit I just think is brilliant. And I'm so glad that I got to experience it. Is there something larger you're trying to communicate there? Or is, is that an unfair question? Um, I think in that case, I, I don't know if consciously there was, but I think maybe I was like, I shot it right before COVID. If I remember correctly. Yeah, I did. So it was maybe me in lockdown mm. trying to, come up with something and it sort of goes crazy, especially at the end of the film, like the editing gets faster and faster and it sort of blows up. And maybe I think it could have been in response to what I was personally like going through during COVID and lockdown isolated in my room. I think that it definitely has some like reflection. And that was like the beginning of COVID just me editing that film just for like hours every day. And that, and that film and the experimental films all come together in editing, which is like, process it's obvious that you have fun with it and and you're very good at it and i think that parallel um really puts not to pardon the pun puts the film in a different light um and it, it makes a lot of sense whether you were conscious of it or not i, I think uh it gives it a whole new level of meaning and probably cross currents as well to yeah. some degree um they're they're both isolated um maybe a bit lonely, um, but yet full of life um, and, and possibility, you know? Um, and, and I think that maybe has a lot to do with what you were going through and so many people were going through. In, in high school, um, you know, you make this film in sixth grade, you, you catch the bug. Did you have a film program at your school? Were you developing your craft inside school, outside of school? Tell me a little bit about those experiences. Yeah, in high school, it was a mixture. I came in. So my film has, or sorry, my school has a, has a film program. It's pretty small, but it's really, it's really strong, I think. Um, shout out to my film teachers, Carlo, who was just an amazing mentor for me um, throughout high school, and Deborah, who also was 
really helped me in many ways. I made my first, like my first real film, I would say in ninth grade. Um, and I learned so much from that experience that in 10th grade, most of my films, I think at all American were extracurricular. Okay. Um, so they weren't, um, I did them sort of outside of class, but I still really got a lot out of those film classes and I learned a lot and they were really, and in 12th grade, we actually got to work with film film, which was a really fun experience. Um, I was able to shoot on my Bolex going around and shooting different things around, which was a really fun experience. It sounds like that's something that you're still going to pursue, you know, working with different technologies and things. I feel like yeah. that that's sort of part of who you are as an artist. Um, and you can see it in your work. Do you have a favorite film or, you know, is there one, one of these projects? We're going to have links to, to all of these films yeah. that we, we're talking about um, in the description so that folks can check them out and get a better sense of, of your work. Is there a favorite project or, or one that was just sort of stands out to you? That I worked on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a hard question. I bet. I, I have like different relationships to each of them. I, when I watch them back now, I always, I mean, I always see things that could be, I really, I'm proud of Swimming in Light, I think a lot. I think that's when, that was like the first film that I was like, I look back on and I was like really proud of. I think there's the editing that like, I put so much work into editing that, that it really, I'm really proud of it. Think Like a Filmmaker too, I'm proud of in some ways. But I think Like a Filmmaker has become a staple of my roadshow, just so that you know. Um, I take that film all over the country um, and use, as, use it as an example of what good documentary filmmaking can be um, and also what achievable filmmaking can be. You know, the, the, the singular focus of one person and one specific aspect of that person's life um, is a really achievable focus point for emerging filmmakers. Um, and of course, you do it at the highest level. And you're interviewing your dad. Um, which is so cool. I mean, I have two sons. I can't imagine like them sort of taking a look at something that I do and, and, and diving in. Can you tell me a little bit about that process and, and, and what it was like, not just making the documentary, but also working with a family member? Yeah, that was a very fun process. It was, yeah, okay. So I basically, after school, I'd go into the basement and see my dad in his little like studio. I'm super jealous of... Yes. His little setup. I mean, like he is it's, the coolest artist. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I. It's, it was crazy. And he was like doing these beautiful artworks, and I was like, okay, I want to make a film about this. It's COVID again, right? Okay, it was okay. The lockdown. I wanna, I wanna explore this. Um, and I basically I interviewed him first for around like four hours. Like it was a very intense interview. Um, yeah, it was a very intense interview. It was really fun, but it was you know, there was a lot of like back and forth and I put some of that in the film. And I think working with him, he, okay. So he originally like in the Moses film, he was, he helped me a lot with that. And I'm very fortunate. And I feel like it's a privilege to have a dad who's like also a filmmaker, but at some points too, at some point, I think right before high school, I sort of cut him off from my filmmaking. If that yeah. Makes sense. I see that. Mm -hmm. So I said to myself, he is such like a creative force that it was sort of hard to work with him in many times. So I said, he can see my films, but after they're done. And with this film, he sort of saw me working in the process, which, and he didn't, he's never like seen that before. So I think that was a, an interesting thing. And it was also his reaction when it was, when I showed it to him, I can get into that after. 
But basically, I interviewed him for five hours. I went around his studio, took B-roll, but that was a film that was constantly being updated too because his work was constantly changing. Okay. So I had to go back, you know, like a week later, this thing that was only a little bit is now something totally different and I have to refilm that. Um, but it was fun. It was also sometimes annoying working with him. Um, but I guess that's just father and son stuff. Um, did you have a plan? Like w- w- when you were making it, Yeah. was it... Was was there a plan like I'm gonna do a micro macro? I'm gonna show the little pieces to reveal the whole, or what was your goal? I know obviously to present yeah. the artist, yeah. right? Um, but I would love to know because I do use this film as a yeah. teaching tool. Uh, what was what was your plan? If I'm gonna be totally honest, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just getting this footage, and I think when I was editing it it became clear what I wanted to do. And then I would go back and film based on what I was editing. I'd be like, okay, I have this sort of like discovery here of like my dad. Okay, I'm, I'm only saying that my dad is my dad at the end of the film. So I need more like impersonal shots at the beginning and then get into like more. So I like would refilm things specific or I'd be like, I need this shot of his, like a wide shot of his studio here. And then I would like go and film that. Um, I think that was partially because I was lucky that I was like editing in like a room next to where he was doing his stuff. So I could always just go hop in there anytime. But I really, when I was filming it, I did not know how it was. And I think that's okay. And that sort of freed me a little bit from the constraint of needing to like get this or get that. Like I was able to sort of work just like freely and just like go around and film stuff the way I wanted to do it. And then I think editing for that film was a real challenge because I had five hours of interview footage and I had a lot of, like B-roll on the studio and I had to make that into something. In six um, minutes. In six minutes. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it ultimately went to six minutes, which was which was really hard. And I first had to like organize all the footage, which was also really hard because he talked for five hours. I made like sub clips of everything, um, which took probably as much time as like editing it itself. But I had so many different cuts of that film. It's like probably like 30 different versions of that one film, um, maybe even more. And I think I sort of discovered that it was really important that that film needed an arc. It needed to change somehow. Because I think with documentaries, if you're just like on the same level the whole time, it can get sort of stagnant yeah. and feel like talking head. So I needed some type of arc to it. It needed to be different at the beginning than it was at the end. So I had a cut where I like established that he was my dad at the very beginning. And then once I moved that like three quarters into the film, it like totally changed and totally made it better. And I think that was partially because I was just like playing around with it. And I think it's really important, especially while editing, to just like try things, make a new sequence, you know, move stuff around, figure out how it's going. But I think with that, I really needed an arc to sort of make that film work. And then it sort of came into this thing where it started sort of in the impersonal of it and then got to like the the personal, like at the beginning, you might not know that it's like my dad exactly. You're Mm -hmm. just like a portrait of an artist. And then it turns into more like intimate type of film, which I need, like I needed the time editing that to sort of realize that. And it's, I think another thing that that really makes it work is, is just how casual it is. And that's probably again, because it's your dad, but like the way that you communicate with each other, the questions that you ask, the responses, they're very comforting. Um, There's, there's no pretension. It's all very raw. Um, And it's, it's very welcoming to the viewer and you become more and more curious about the subject because of this feeling you get of the relationship and then 
anyone who doesn't know when you do drop the knowledge that it is your father, um, it all sort of, you know, comes full circle. And it, it's, it's, again, it's very comforting in a way. The shots in the film, they're incredibly artistic, like all of your work, like you, you just, you just get it. Like you have an eye. Is it, you, you stumble upon it? How much are you planning how much is just shooting a ton and taking the best stuff? I'm curious about that. For a thing like a filmmaker, it was really shooting a ton and picking the best stuff. Um, but I don't know. I tried to be like careful with my frames to sort of like make sure they weren't like, I'm very picky with my frames sometimes. The DP I worked with just last weekend, probably. <laughs> he, he's aware of it. Yeah. Um, or even on some of my films. I think with my narrative films, it's interesting when I like think of the difference because with my narrative films, I have so much pre-production going into each one. And with these films, I have, um, with like this documentary, I have like almost no pre-production going into it. And I think, I don't know, I'm trying to like find the middle ground right now, but yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. Okay, so all of these different genres. I mean, we haven't even talked about the, the narrative film, really. Experimental, documentary, narrative. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's probably other genres you've, you've messed with. I mean, technically, Cross Currents is really an animation, stop-motion animation. Yeah. Um, is that just whatever, you know, you're filming in the aquarium and you're like, well, this is going to be an experimental, obviously. Uh, I want to, is it like, I want to make a doc... I want to do narrative. I want to try all these different things. Or is it, is it like the story idea comes and then you choose the genre from there? I guess I just have so many questions. Like how are you able to navigate all these genres seemingly effortlessly? Um, is it again, conscious or is it just sort of going with whatever seems to fit at the time? I think it's a little bit of both. The, I don't really, I mean, with the experimental stuff, I don't really think about it with genre per se. I just like trying to make the best film that I can given like the circumstances I have with it. Um, so like for the experimental stuff, I just start editing it and putting the music and then it just becomes the film sort of. Um, that's with like Swimming and Light and Cross Currents where it just sort of evolves into what it is. And I'm not specifically like thinking about, okay, this is an experimental film. Do, you think, think like of, a, do you think of those as, uh, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. as a mood or a story? I say both. Yeah. I mean, I, as I was asking the question, I'm like, it's obviously both. Um, okay. Just curious. I think, I, think it's, I mean, the story, I don't know if there's like a specific story, but I think I'm trying again with, even with the experimental films to create some sort of arc with it mm -hmm. to, you know, have it be like with cross current, for example, like the beginning is very like stagnant. You know, they're all, I think they're all like five frames of like cut, 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 cut. And then at the ending, it's like, one starts on for like one frame, the next one's on for like 20 and it like moves sort of irrhythmically. The beginning are all green. It goes colorful at the end. Like there's like an arc there and there's some type of like divergence from the like status quo of the beginning. Like I try to give it some type of story Okay, that might not be, you know, it's not like a traditional story. And then with the narrative ones, I think, I mean, I need to work on combining genres. That's what I want to go to next to like combine aspects of the experimental with the narrative. And I think I'm trying to do that. Like, I think the sequence with the paintbrush and the audition, that was a little bit of me trying to, but I think I could have done that better. But like, I think I am trying to sort of mix genres. I, I see that. And it, that's, I, I tried to sort of 
somehow articulate what me seeing that in the introduction, um, how it felt like the progression, like one thing was informing the next, um, yeah. and that somehow, some way, all of this is going to come together. And, and, and I get it. You, you always feel like certain things can be better and you're, you're always going to feel that way. It comes up with every talented filmmaker I talk to on the show um, that you never really, you know, you never feel complete. And, and that's just, hey, that's just part of being an artist. And it's something that we, we have to deal with. But I, I do see that progression and I, I think it's going to go to beautiful places. Um, and that's, I think, what my favorite part of, of the audition um, I like the story a lot. It's, you know, it's, it's a compelling story, but it's, it's the blend of mood and story um, that, that really resonated with me because it's all living inside of the character and it all comes back to the most important elements of the character and the conflict and um, your ability to sort of merge the mood um, and, and, and find that inner working of the character, I think is, is re really a strength that I, I look forward to seeing you continue to develop. Um, and we, we got off track because I was asking you about genres and then I interrupted and, um, but you just sort of go with the flow of these things or are you like consciously trying, like, are you consciously moving into narrative now or anything like that? Yeah, I think I sort of go with the flow, but I'm also at the same time, this is, I'm trying to like, uh, right now, I'm a little bit trying to move in towards narrative. I think I want to just experiment with like stories in a more, in in like a more traditional aspect of like an actual story, but like also trying to incorporate the more strange elements into that, which I think is like a really, it's it's challenging, but it's it's I think it'll be fun, and that's what I'm sort of working on a little bit now. But I think with like the audition, for example, that was basically I thought of that as a narrative film going into it. I have this, I have like the vibes I want to communicate, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. um, of like this magical, like grounded and then this sort of magical moment and then like grounded and then it sort of blossoms. But that was a lot of pre-production. Um, like I did storyboards for that. I did shot lists. I did just like floor plans. I animated the storyboards with my parents as dialogue, with me as dialogue, with sound effects to see how it was working. Wow. Um, and I think what I learned with that, though, is that even if you like do as much pre-production as you can, it won't turn out exactly as you picture it to turn out, which was an interesting sort of revelation. There also John did an amazing job, who's the actor. Shout out to John. Um, yeah. I think he delivered what you said about the character. There. And I, I also noticed that a lot of your work is, is sort of a solo mission. Um, is that just... It's not me assuming it. I guess that was COVID, though. It sounds like yeah. that was you didn't have any other choice. And then when you did, you made something like the audition where you did you have a full crew or, or not a full crew, but a few yeah. people helping? That was, yeah. So Think Like a Filmmaker, all those experimental films were solo. And then the audition was I had a crew of like five to 10. I think it was like five people maybe. And that was a really fun experience too, working with the crew and really collaborating. And here at Yale, I think I've collaborated a lot more. Mm -hmm which has been really fun of just like working with different people. And there's some really talented people here. Um, so I've been, you know, working with them. And I think collaboration is really fun. And I sort of missed it in a lot of those films, I think. Yeah. I think I need to make them, but it was still, yeah. So what's your favorite thing about making a film? What's the, what's the part that, you know, you just get excited about every time? Yeah, I think... 
editing is so fun for me. Like I love it. I get lost. In it. It's obvious. You can feel how much you love it. Yeah. It's also like, I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day where I'm like, I do a lot of music and I think editing is like the same muscle that you like play music with. Like that's how I feel how I think about it sometimes. Like a rhythm or it's like a rhythm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you can feel the cuts in like in a rhythm. And I think especially with like experimental films, like I try to do that. Like I try to like feel like, oops, that's not working. Yes, it is. And I like, I don't know. That's like a really fun experience for me. Just like the, my films at least really come together in editing. And I think any film mm-hmm. can be made or breaked in editing. Like a great script and a great, and a great like shoot. If it isn't edited well, it won't come out yeah. amazing. And you can take, you know, maybe not the best script and make it into a good film for editing. So I think that's like the mediator. For, for all of the <clears throat> aspiring editors listening, do you have a specific process? Like you have everything. And, and I know that you never have everything. Like you said, yeah. think like a filmmaker, you're going back. But in a sense, you have everything. Where do you start? How do you work through it? Yeah. I first <clears throat> have to organize my footage. You need to do that or else it gets really messy and really bad. You have to, if you like, I like to make sub clips where I like name them. Um, you have to, you know, put them in bins. Let's just be very organized. That's the first thing. Cause then everything falls apart if you're not. Um, I like to do a phase where I sort of just like play around with the footage. Like I'll just put two things together, see how it fits. Oh, you know, and before I even like think about like story or anything, I just like lay some footage down and yes, no, maybe. And just see if it's working. Make like a little story painting. Yeah, make a story painting. Even in a narrative film, I'll do that. I'll like, the first thing I edited in the audition was the painting scene. Just to like get that. Because that was like, just to like see if it was working, just to play around with it. Um, And I think, you know, just like make different cuts around, play around with it. And once you feel comfortable with the footage, once you know the footage, then you can start to think about it a little more sequentially and to go sort of through it. And then that's your first cut. First cut's going to be terrible. Do you show that? Do you, do you, will you share that first cut with some trusted people or is this all happening? First cut? No. I I need to like make the first cut, like take a break of like a day, like a, like a couple, like take a little break. And then I come back to it. I edit it. I edit it a couple times and then I show it to people. And I have some really, I have some people I like to show my cuts to some friends, some my aunt is good at looking at cuts. Like there's like some people. Yeah, of course. I don't show it to my dad, but like I like to show my customers. And then from there, it just, just revising over and over again, make sequences also, but like try things like don't add here fully to exactly what's in like a script or something. Cause like move scenes around, like play with it. It's that's like your job, I think to like re- is it hard to know when you're done? Oh, yeah. I still want to go back and edit, like, every film I've done. It's yeah. not. Yeah. At some point, you just have to say, okay, moving on. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a brutal part. I, my next question is, what's the hardest part? I don't know if we just answered it, um, but what do you find to be the most challenging part? And, I, and you work in so many different genres that it's maybe hard to answer that as a whole, but if you can try or even just focus on one film. The hardest part, I think... I mean, in, in think like a filmmaker was coming up with a structure um, and similar to the other films. Um, I think it's also coming up with ideas is sort of hard too. I love it, but it's hard. 
And that's a fun, like, especially when I'm working with narrative films now, like coming up with good narrative ideas, it can be hard, but I think that's the fun of it too. But like coming up with like a good story is, is hard. And I think also not putting pressure on yourself. I've been like, I can see myself doing this where I just put so much pressure on myself to like every film I do needs to be perfect. Right. And it needs to be, and I think a, a, a certain thing that I'm trying to work on is to be like, it's okay. Like not every film you make is going to be the best film ever. You just make more films and they'll get better overall. And you don't live or die. Like you're not defined by every singular film you make. And I think that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to accept that, you know, because obviously you want to be great. I mean, you, you want everything and not great because of what other people say, great for yourself, for your, for, you know, to, to give it everything that you have and be the best that you can be. Um, Tell me about one of the things that you're working on now. Okay. Um, I'm working, I'll say pick a genre. Oh man, I guess narrative. It seems like you're kind of into that and you said it's hard. So yeah. I'm working on a couple of um, narrative films. One is, okay, this is a fun one. that It's going to be a shortish narrative film, but it's a love story between two people who communicate through music. So I'm going to have the piano subtitled in English. So people, somebody will play a phrase on the piano and it'll be subtitled. My friend wrote this script and it's such a cool, and I've also never worked with somebody who's written a script that I'm directing, but I awesome. love this script and it's so cool. There's your growth of, at college right yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. And it's so cool. I'm so excited to direct, to, to work on that. It's going to be like, a, yeah. Um, another film that I'm working on, this is sort of like a personal film. It's basically about after somebody's grandmother dies, they go on a journey to find their old samovar, which was an object that they had from World War II and from the Holocaust. And it's sort of, it's about like how a family heirloom sort of holds memories and stories. And through like searching for this one object, this kid learns so much about his grandmother's life. And it's sort of reminiscent. It's like a very personal film. And it's a lot about like Judaism. And that'll be like a longer, probably the longest film I've done. And I want to shoot it in the fall. But I'm working, I'm writing that now. That'll be. Both sound amazing. Uh, I'm curious, you know, a freshman in college making a couple of films, you know, a short one, maybe they're probably both going to be shorts, but um, what do you want from them? Like, do you, like at this point, you know, you're, you're a college student now. It's just in high school, you know, high school, you have all American, you're going to submit to that. And that's, you know, maybe like the goal with these yeah. Is is that still the goal? Like you, you want to get them in festivals? You you want to have people watch them? Is there anything or is it not that at all? You're just going to make them and that's it? I want to make them because I feel like I'm going to grow from making them. I mean, the festival thing, yeah, it's, you know, I'm not going to lie. It might be in like the back of my mind, but I think there's also something to be said of just like trying to be the best filmmaker I can be and getting to sort of like the next level for myself. And I think I can do that by just making more films. Um, and I, I don't have like specific goals for these films, but I want them to be seen. I want them to be, to make, you know, as I said before, to like make people feel things or to relate. I mean, these films might be, or that one will be very personal to me and I want to sort of convey that sort of authentic experience. But yeah. So what is the goal? Is, is the goal to become a financially stable filmmaker where 
you're getting your projects funded and you can do what you want? Or is it to work for a studio in some capacity? Are you open to sort of all of those options? Like, are you going to LA after college? I mean, you know, talk to me about your goals. I honestly don't really know. And that's fair. Um, I, I look, I'm in my late forties. I don't know what my goals are half the time. So I just keep my family happy and safe. Right. But, but yeah, yeah. Stable income. I mean, I'll see what, where I go after these four years and where I'm at. Mm-hmm. There might be, it might be interesting to try to move to LA at some point and see what that, how that works. But I, right now, I just want to continue what I'm doing and sort of see where I am in like, in like four years. And then, but I guess the idea would be to just like continue making movies and have a stable income somehow. I can't, I can't imagine you doing anything else professionally. Um, and I have no doubt that you're going to be successful. Um, hey, maybe you'll create like a little mini Hollywood in Connecticut with your, yeah. with your revolution. Um, yeah. So who are your influences? Hmm. Who are my influences? I, okay. Growing up as a, I'll go from like my influence as a little kid. Cause I yeah, think like, because you're, you, you're, you're capable of so many different things. I want to know like what formed Eli. Yeah. This is going to sound weird. It's not going to sound weird. As a 10 year old kid, I was obsessed with Lord of the Rings. Right. And those films, cause Peter Jackson released a bunch of like behind the scenes footage. Those films really inspired me to get into filmmaking. I saw like the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings. I was like, I want to do film. That was like the first one. I think narrative wise I love like Christopher Nolan like I love I also like I've been getting into like more foreign films recently partially because of like some of the classes I'm taking but like I don't know like Kurosawa is amazing like I love Rashomon that's one of my favorite movies um another amazing filmmaker who I'm exploring is um Mambete he's like a Senegalian filmmaker who's so good he did um the little girl who stole the sun hyenas um, they're both amazing films. And he's actually described the role of a filmmaker as a storyteller, a musician, and a messenger of one's time. And I think that is something I'm trying to sort of work to because I think that's such a cool like definition of... I love I, a messenger of one's time. Yeah. That, that, I will never forget that, Eli. Yeah. That is, wow. Um, and I'm going to have to get, uh, I'm going to send you a note after we talk, but I'm going to have to get his name so that I can look up those films. First of all, Hyenas is the coolest title of a film yeah. maybe ever. Um, there's so many directions that could go and they're all terrifying. Um, wow. A messenger, a, a message, messenger of messenger of one time. It's like a griot, yeah. which is like a, what he described it as like a musician, a poet and a messenger of one's time, a storyteller, a musician, a poet, and a messenger of one's time. That's what it is. Wow. And that's like a quote I try to encapsulate. And I also, like experimental-wise, like Jody, Max, Dan Brackage, those are people I look up to. Very cool. It's, it's fascinating to me. I was actually just saying to, to Chris Omar, who, who works with All American uh, and produces this podcast, by the way, he's behind the scenes right now. I was just saying, he sent me two submissions that came in this morning and he's like, hey, you got to, you know, we're doing the early stages of judging. He's like, we have two contenders here. You got to check these out. And they were both so incredibly original and unique. And we see that more and more every year. Um, it's, it's just, it's almost like your generation is understanding this medium in ways that my generation never could. And it's because of things like you mentioned with Lord of the Rings. Like when I was growing up, there was no behind the scenes footage from especially an epic film like Lord of the Rings. 
And yet you got a chance to sort of see the little intricacies of, of pieces of how it was made and, and why. And I mean, that's such a gift. And then the nice, the, the, the admirable thing is that you took that inspiration and immediately put it to good use. Um, and I think that's what really separates our, our top filmmakers uh, is that they're students of the, of the craft um, as well as creators. Um, but so cool. And, I, you know, again, not surprising at all that you have such a wide range of, uh, of influences. Um, so when you submitted to All American um, three years in a row, an excellent body of work, um, a real gift to us. And I, I thank you for that. Um, what did it mean to you to, to be accepted and, and to be nominated and to ultimately win Best Documentary for Think Like a Filmmaker? What did that do for you um, as you continued on your path? Yeah, I mean, All American was always like literally one of the highlights of my year. It was, I remember in ninth grade when I was, or maybe it was 10th grade, when I was like sitting there, I was in awe. I like went to the Best of Fest and I was in awe of those films. And I was like, wow. Yeah, me too. And I, it sort of made me realize what was like possible in some way. And that just like really inspired me. And I think I just, like, I was so lucky, I think, to, able to like submit to your vessel. I'm lucky that I found it and I'm lucky that, you know, I had those films. But I think and like in full transparency, right, I had some films rejected by All American. I've had some selections. I've had some nominations and think like a filmmaker one, which I'm like so honored by. But like I think like if, if you just keep making films, it will come. Not everyone will work. Like I've had um but like if you just keep at it, you'll get better. And you learn from the ones that didn't work. You say, this didn't really work. And you learn from the ones that worked and you just keep going, but like, you just keep at it and it'll, it'll come. Yeah, no. And I think that's important for people to hear, you know, as I, as I speak with you and I'm sort of heaping praise on you, uh, which is well-deserved. It's very humble of you to admit that, look, some stuff didn't make the cut and it's not like it just, it just happens for you. It's, part of it. And, and I'm so glad we could provide that experience. And that's really what we want Best of Fest to be, yeah. right? It's like, well, wow, I see where the bar is set. I'm going to challenge myself to be better. Um, or, you know, the, nothing makes me happier than a student who submits maybe in ninth or 10th grade and doesn't make the cut, which is very competitive and very challenging. And then you see them come back in 11th or 12th grade and they're so much better, you know, and then they do. And, and, and that's really, you know, what we want it to be about. It's not about winning or losing, you know, we could pick any handful of films for the top prize in, in categories. It's, it, it's so finite, the space between, and so subjective. Um, but it's, it's, it's really good that you say that. On that note, I have a couple more questions. Um, yeah. what, you've given a lot of really good advice just organically in the conversation, but what advice do you have for emerging filmmakers who are listening today and who are you a few years ago? And, and, and they want to be good. You know, they, they want to get accepted and maybe be nominated and they just want to continue to do this thing. What advice do you have for them based on your experiences so far? Yeah, I think one thing that's really important that I'm still discovering is your film, like show your film to as many people as you can, because you might think something isn't working that actually is working for other people. And you might think that something's working that isn't working for other people. I think that process is really, is really important like sometimes I'm watching a film and I'm like I like that I'm not super proud of and I watch it in front of an audience and I'm like whoa yeah this is like a totally different read than what I was expecting but that's okay 
Um, so like show your film to people. I think another one is to just like, I mean, just keep making films. You get better. It's like a muscle. It's like practicing an instrument. You get better the more you do it. But at the same time, let yourself time to breathe. Let yourself time to live. Like live a little bit. You're in high school. Like enjoy your life a little bit. I would say, and don't put too much pressure on yourself with the film thing because what you're going to be using later in life, I think, is your like experiences growing up. Um, so, you know, be aware of the world around you in some ways. Live. Yeah, have a balance. Have a balance of the work and the life. And then continue to make films, continue to explore. Also, don't worry about the technical aspects of it. Like that will come. And you might be like intimidated by like some really technically perfect films, but that will come to you. Like what matters now is like the storytelling, what you're doing and the technical stuff will, will, will get there. I could not agree more. Um, I preach that. And it's funny mentioning just sharing the films, you know, I, I share so many of the student films when I travel, um, when I present and, you know, it's just a natural part of being a presenter but also something that I've actively started doing uh, as research, I watch the audience, right? And, and many directors have said, you know, test screenings and things where they're watching the audience watch the film. And it's amazing, you know, yeah. how you can see what works and what doesn't and what kind of surprises you find along the way. So really good advice there. Um, one of the things I like to do uh, to wrap up each episode is, is to have our guest um, give some recommendations, um, anything that's on your radar right now. And I know you're into music. I'm very into music too. So music is an option, something that you're listening to, or, you know, something that you watched recently that, that really stands out. It can be anything at all, but any recommendations for folks that will, you know, give us a little insight into your tastes, um, and, and what you're into, uh, but also just some good stuff to check out. Yeah. Good stuff to check out. Um, I don't know, what I, listening music-wise, I've been really listening to a lot of Tom Mish recently. Oh, I'm so into Tom Mish. So That's Tom great. Mish. Yeah, geography is so good. It's like the, that album is so good. I've been listening to like so much of that. A lot of great rhythm, amazing bass lines. Yep. It's so good. And it combined, also like combines sort of multiple genres too, which is really cool. Um, I don't know. I love his work. It's like lo-fi. Some of the like, I don't know, some movie the other day. That's so good. Um. Yeah, I'm a lot of him. Check him out. If have you, you ever listened to Bruno Pernatas? I have a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He it's it's different, but again, yeah. a lot sort of multi genre. Yeah, no, it's so good. Yeah, but yeah, I've listened to a lot of that. Listening to some jazz, listening to some. I think jazz somehow helps me with film ideas. I don't know why. Like, listen to put on some like West Montgomery and like come up with some film ideas. That's that's always. That's always fun. Um, Movie-wise, I recently watched for a class. It's a really devastatingly sad movie, but it's so good. Sancho the Bailiff. Um, I don't know. It's like Muzigachi, or Kenji Muzigachi, who's like a, a famous, uh, like, I think he's like a pretty famous Japanese filmmaker, but it's so good. Oh my God. It, it, I was like in tears by the end of it. It's really sad, but that was one of those films I was like sitting there like bawling my eyes out being like, wow. Um, another film. I don't know why I'm smiling. I'm like smiling ear to ear as you talk about yeah. crying to this sad movie, but I, I sense your passion. Yeah. Another film that I cried out that one of my, my film teacher, Deborah and, um, Rob in high school, shout out to them that they, they introduced me was this movie lamb. Um, it's an Ethiopian film. 
That is so good. Oh my god, it's it, it was at Con a couple years ago, but it is like it sticks again, with you. It sticks with you. It's yeah. beautiful cinematography, beautiful music. It's and just a beautiful. Uh, is it? Can we? Because that that sounds. Both of those sound amazing to me. Are they uh, films yeah. that we can find on like? Are they on Netflix or something? Yeah, or? those are. I don't know. Amazon, Amazon. Right? They're out there. They're out there. YouTube. Okay. But those are like two films I've seen recently that are like I don't know. I've seen them mostly because of like I wouldn't normally see them, but I saw them in like classes, and I was just like totally wowed. Um, yeah. Very cool. Well, selfishly, I'm excited to check both out. Uh, it's one of my favorite things about each episode is just you know, tapping the mind and heart of the emerging artists that I'm speaking to and, and getting some recommendations um, that will help me grow. Um, and I hope help our listeners grow as well. Um, I, I cannot say enough about how proud I am of everything that you've created and, and done, um, your humbleness, um, the insights that you're willing to share, and, and how excited I am for your future. Um, I, I just, I want to thank you for an amazing conversation. Um, I encourage everyone to check out Eli's impressive body of work in the description. Um, and, and thanks to everyone for tuning in once again and joining us. Um, a reminder, this is just one conversation uh, with the future of film. You can always go to hsfilmfest.com for more information on the All-American High School Film Festival. And please be sure to subscribe and share across all platforms to support our important community of emerging artists. I will see everyone next time. Eli, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you so much. This was so amazing. This like really means a lot to me, and I'm so honored to... And I certainly hope that we will keep in touch. You're not too far away. Um, perhaps we can get together for a coffee or something sooner, or a bagel, maybe. No, it's gonna get your cream cheese on everything. There we go, there we go. Uh, but yeah, seriously, man, just keep doing your thing. Um, I'm incredibly excited about your future and I hope we keep in touch. Thanks for Thank joining. Thank you so much.